Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Have you ever dreamed of one day owning your own business but just don't know where to begin? Then you've tuned into the right show. On all things franchising, you will hear from top national franchisers, successful franchisees, attorneys, CPAs, and others who support this fast-growing business model. So grab a cup of coffee and pen and notepad because you will want to capture the invaluable information you hear on today's show. And now, here is your host, Linda Ballesteros. Welcome to All Things Franchising. This is Linda Ballesteros, and I am your host today. Thanks so much for spending some time with me today. I'm always honored when someone can carve a little bit of time out of their busy day to spend with me. So today we're talking about the automation of marketing and how marketing is turning to automation to get their message out. Recently read an article. uh, The title of it was Marketing Automation Trends. The article went like this. The biggest benefit of marketing automation is it saves time, 74% of the time. Increased customer engagement, 68% increase. More timely communications, 58%. And increased opportunities, including upselling, and that was 58%. It went on to say 63% of companies outgrowing their competition are using automation. So sometimes we may get frustrated with it. Sometimes we may not really understand it completely. And, but it's something that we need to learn as business owners. We just need to understand it better. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. Today, my guest is Dave Hansen. He is president of Client Tether, which is a fully automated franchise multi-location CRM and lead engagement automation system. I love all that. Even though I don't understand all of that, I need to understand that. So through, through Client Tether, Dave actually coaches franchisees and service businesses on sales best practices and sales automation solutions. So Dave, thanks so much for being here and welcome to the show. Thanks a lot, Linda. I, I'm grateful for a chance to join you. Certainly love the show and, and what you've done over the years to bring knowledge to the franchise industry. So thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. Absolutely. And, you know, today, Dave, I think a lot of what we're going to be talking about is not just specific to franchising. So tell me a little bit about your history and what drew you to Client Tether. That's a funny story. It's a little long, so I won't, I won't belabor it too much, but I've always kind of been in sales ever since I was five. Um, I wanted baseball cards. I didn't have any money, so my mom would fall asleep for nap time. I'd get up and I'd, I'd knock on doors in the neighborhood and sell trinkets door to door. And, uh, and I'm sure I just got a lot of mercy money from, from the mom, but enough to buy baseball cards. <laughs> That's funny. It's a funnier story than that, but I'm going to spare your listeners some of the details because it humiliates my mother every time I tell the story. So, um, but uh, so that early beginnings in that, I spent a lot of time in in enterprise software and education technology and the localization industry. The one thing that's unique is I've I've also done consulting across, you know, avionics and, and all sorts of different industries to help people build sales models and sales automation structures and things like that, marketing automation. And, and what I've discovered is the processes and the tools uh, that are needed, don't ha- they don't have to be hyper unique. Now, franchising is a unique space. I, I was drawn to the industry through a good friend of mine who started the five-star painting, five-star franchising, franchise foundry groups, and then 
exited and started his own franchise again on his, uh, with it after after exiting. And um, he built this platform from the ground up to support the franchise industry because there wasn't anything like it. So um, I did a little consulting for him, and then he he finally convinced me to come join the company and, and run it. And so that, that's that's what I do today. I help run Quiet Tether as the president. Well, Dave, I tell you, a lot of what you just said sounds very technical to me, and I don't know how that applies to me. So let's talk a little bit about some of those models that you were mentioning, some of those functionalities and some of those features that mm-hmm. the everyday business person can use, you know, and, and franchisees and multi-locations in particular. Yeah. You know, Linda, I, I, if you don't mind, I'll take a step back. Let's start with the challenge. The mm-hmm. challenge, because everyone who, whether they own a franchise, whether they're a franchisor, or whether they're an individual, that runs a business, of any sort of service-based business, they all have a similar challenge, which is I'm, I have leads, I have to generate leads. So they, find, they hire a marketing company to get some SEO and PPC going, they finally get leads coming in, or they skip that and go to portals like Connects Pros or HomeAdvisor mm-hmm. or Thumbtack, right, and they, they start buying leads. Well, the challenge then they have is, that, you know, say they buy 20, 10 leads a week, they're out doing estimates. They're, they're hiring people. Mm-hmm. They're training crews. They're paying bills. They're going to kids' soccer games every now and then when they have a spare moment, which is almost never. And, and mm-hmm. then so a lead comes in and sits in their inbox and gets cold after five minutes. And, and then, they, then they call that lead the next day thinking, hey, within 24 hours is great. And they're frustrated to find that those leads are usually already scheduled or booked or have already paid someone to do the service that they haven't even estimated yet. So a very common challenge across any industry, which is once you start to get the marketing working and the leads flowing, then the sales follow-up the, the mar- is really quite poor. And so they're mm-hmm. not seeing the ROI that they need from their marketing, and they feel like and they're throwing away lead sources, calling them bad leads. Actually, they're not bad leads. Usually it's, the, it's bad sales follow-up, which is what's causing their, them to have low ROI and less success in, in their growth, growth as a business. So are you saying then, Dave, that I need to have a full-time person to sit and accept and be ready to pounce on those leads the minute they come in? How do I do that as a small business owner? Yeah, that's a great question. That's kind of the conundrum. You can hire a full-time person. Uh, you know, you'll have to pay at least $15 an hour or more. Right now, $15 an hour isn't enough to coax somebody off the couch uh, off of government mm-hmm. benefits. Unfortunately, so, but uh, let's assume you can. That's fifteen dollars an hour, forty hours a week. So you're six hundred dollars a week times four point two weeks, so about twenty-eight hundred dollars a month of salary that you have to pay someone or hourly expense to manage your leads on top of the expense of the leads. So that is one approach. This is kind of where we we come in, and and I I don't mean this to be much of an infomercial, but as a way of, by introduction, our client tethers a a CRM that has marketing automation and sales automation tools built into it. So as an alternative, uh, a lot of our clients find that it's helpful to, instead of having that, that full-time person just monitoring an inbox or letting leads go cold and then having less success warming them up, our platform, as soon as a lead is generated or purchased or flows into a lead form, will immediately send out a personalized text message and then make the owners or a group of people's phones ring in the company. And then it'll send out a personalized email. It can even send a box of brownies in the mail with a, with a personalized note inside of it. Whatever you want it to do, well, not whatever. It can't make toast for you in the kitchen, but <laughs> we could probably API into something that could do that for you. But the point is, is the system is uh, I, this is where machines and automation are better than humans, which is timely follow-up. Now, humans mm-hmm. are better on the interaction side. So once somebody starts to interact with you, that's where you want the system to pull back. You want the human to take control and, you know, be on the phone. And, and this, this is why our system is quite unique is rather than just send out a, uh, you know, marketing automation drip email, which is pretty ineffective by itself. You know, half of emails in the world go to spam. Um, mm-hmm. and, and I can't remember the, the open rate. I think like t- 29% or maybe it's 49% of emails are ever opened. But that might be a two months after the fact. And so we, we do email and text, but we also make your phone ring to make sure you can get on the phone ASAP with that contact. Mm-hmm. 
And you're right because, you know, Dave, the first thing I do every morning is I go to my email um, and, and I've got three different email addresses. And so I go mm-hmm. into each one of them. They're all specific. And I just start deleting. I don't look at them. I know the ones I want to look at and the ones I don't want to look at, the ones I don't recognize, they immediately get deleted. So do you find then then that the messages sent via text um, are that people respond better to that? Yeah, that, that's actually there, – there's a, there's a whole discussion behind that, Linda, but absolutely. But what we find is it's not just text. There are a lot of people that have a very – um, limited view, maybe a myopic view on texting, where they say, oh, you've got to just text everyone, text, 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 text. But texting actually works as a catalyst with other media. So, for example, if you send someone an email that's important, and email is a good medium for sending over proposals, sending mm-hmm. big communications, sharing pictures back and forth. You can text those too, but sometimes you need to send four or five pictures and you have a, a size limit on how, many, how much you can send via a text because the carriers won't support it. And mm-hmm. so I think it's 20, 20 megabytes is, is the, as big as what you can send on one, one, one send. So email becomes a little more useful for things like that, sending a contract to sign, sending a proposal. But if you couple that with a text, then the, then the email is like you know, four or five times as likely to get opened. If right. you text somebody before you call them, they're 40% more likely to answer your call. Part of that's because most of them are – have their, their do not disturb mode turned on because Apple and Google keep promoting that constantly to everybody to try to combat robo-dialers. But what that means is as a small business owner, somebody fills out your lead form or you buy a lead and you try to call them and you immediately go to voicemail. They won't even see your call. And so you text them first and then they see their phone ring. They see that number and say, oops, that's, that's Dave the contractor. I need to answer that call. Then they call you back right away or very shortly thereafter because they know who you are when you call. So mm-hmm. it's a catalyst to make all the media a little bit more effective and also a great way to reach people. 90% of all text messages are open within three minutes. That, that's an incredible engagement platform that's, right. that's also you have to be careful about because it's a lot more regulated than email. Mm. Well, you know, as I was talking about at the top of the show, talking about the automation trends, have you seen mm-hmm. – uh, that the the trends have changed and are and are changing more rapidly, um, especially now that there is more and more technology that comes into our marketing strategies. Absolutely, yeah. The the world's changing a little bit. As maybe we've all noticed the last the last eighteen months, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and and it's changing in the way people engage as well. So uh, a couple of big trends that, that I think are, are shifting. Well, we won't even go. This, this is just on marketing automation, so let's not talk about employment or other things, but uh, finding qualified workers. But there are a lot of people that are trying to engage on mobile, more and more and more. So the median age of homeowners, right, a lot of the millennials are buying homes. These folks, they don't want to email you. Uh, a lot of them don't even want to call you or they don't want to talk on the phone. They just want to text, or they want a message. Mm -hmm. So uh, that's one of the reasons why I think text has become such a critical component of home service businesses or other service businesses and franchises is because a lot of the people that are now the target target buyers of the service are younger um, and just want to text. So that's a big trend. Um, Also seen a lot of of, uh, portals. Let's let's talk about portals. A lot of people buy leads now, uh, more than they used to. Uh, and so, but a lot of the portals, when you buy, for example, like a home advisor, when you buy from home advisor a lead, four other contractors typically got the same lead at the same time. Right. So it, it creates a little bit of a feeding frenzy in the marketplace for every lead. And uh, because if, and if you're not the first person to reach them and schedule an appointment, oftentimes you're not going to get a shot. So timeliness of response has gotten faster, like the, the, the demand on the home service and the service guys that are buying these leads or that are getting leads from their own websites, typically researchers are going to four or five sites to get quotes or filling out four or five forms. And so the competition level has increased quite a bit as buyers have become more savvy. There's, there's, a, there's something else there as well we might want to discuss, which is marketing strategy, but that's mm-hmm. maybe not on 
but uh, the zero moment of truth concept that Google talked about maybe 10, 12 years ago is increasingly important now for any business, meaning you need to provide high-quality information for your potential buyer on your website rather than that veiled approach that was popular about a decade ago where you gate content, sign up here just to learn a little information about what we do for a landscaping job. No, 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 that's gone. Now it needs to be give as much information as you can to help them make a good decision because you want a qualified person to fill out your form. You don't want just any Tom, Dick, or Harry or Susan or Molly to fill out your form. You want to make sure they're, they're pretty qualified before they do. And the buyers are really interested in working with people that are more transparent and giving them better data. Mm-hmm. Yes, most definitely. And what you're describing too, Dave, is that um, it's not one is better than the other. You just have to learn which, uh, which method and which tool to use for the message that you want to deliver, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And in certain moments, certain media are better than others, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, but I'd say, you know, texting needs to become part of everybody's methodology. Automation is absolutely critical because humans just can't be as responsive as a machine can be. But you have to have a blend where it's personalized human human communication, and and then it but it immediately gets a human involved in the dialogue. So mm-hmm. the the endless. I just called someone this morning uh, to check on a test result. I had to go get a COVID test, unfortunately, and mm-hmm. and it's an annoying talk bot. And I got mm-hmm. nowhere in this phone menu and got zero help. I ended up hanging up feeling very frustrated with the business. So some people have gone too far with the automation. It's the balance point that, that's critical in my mind. Yeah, because just like you said, you're still ultimately at the end of the day, you're still delivering that service to a human. So, you know, you yeah. still want to know that there's there's a human out there that's talking to you, especially especially when you've written them a check or will be writing them a check, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, a home service business, let's talk about that. Or let's talk about an elderly care concept or a pet Mm -hmm. care concept. Elderly care, this is a very expensive service, and it's taking care of mom or dad, right, or Uncle Bill. Like, you know, this is a very personal decision, so you need it to be a very personal experience. Pet care, people love their pets, and they don't want just anyone to take care of, you know, Fluffy. They, They really want someone who they feel like is is connected to them emotionally. Well, that doesn't happen over a chat bot. Uh, mm-hmm. That doesn't happen over a strictly automated dialogue. You have to get a human involved at the right moment uh, to, to really help them move forward and feel comfortable emotionally with the buy. People buy emotionally, uh, and mm-hmm. so that's, that's where we've got to be careful. Automation has its limitations, so we, that's where we coach people a little bit. On how do you find the balance and use it where it's needed but not take it too far? So I know that you talked a little bit about buying leads, um, you know, and the lead is what generates this conversation. So what mm-hmm. is, are there other ways that if somebody is listening right now and they're thinking, gosh, I need leads, but I certainly don't want to pay a lot of money for leads that have been given to mm-hmm. 10 other businesses, are there other ways that someone can actually purchase leads or find leads? Yeah, absolutely. So, there are a couple. I mean, I, a good partner of ours, as I'll give it as an example, there are people that are lead portals uh, that provide leads that don't sell them to four or five contractors at a time. So uh, a group like Connects Pros is a great one to look at where you'll pay probably about the same per lead cost, but you won't have to compete immediately with four other people. Uh, that, that's a great one. But other ways to get leads, I mean, there, there are so many ways. Um, Facebook is actually a really incredible way to get leads. I was always a skeptic of this, you know, Linda. I, to be honest with you, I always thought, Facebook, give me a break. Who's on Facebook looking for services other than, like, you know, buying, like, kid clothes or, like, you know, right. something cute for, like, that home decor stuff? I guess I just never really conceptualized yeah. it until I met another one of our partners that specializes in HVAC, and all they do is generate uh, leads for their clients using Facebook. And, uh, and, and they completely changed the way I look at Facebook as a lead gen tool. So my recommendation is find a good partner that, that specializes in Facebook lead gen. They're a lot cheaper, and they tend to come pretty high rate as long as you can engage them right away. And, uh, and then there are more. There are several creative ways. I mean, you need to be building your Google My Business up 
So you have to have your own local uh, GMB or Google My Business listing. You need to manage your, your uh, reviews because the higher your review count and the higher your review rate, um, the closer you are to five stars, the more Google will naturally flow data to you. And the mobile experience, if I search for, and I'm, and I'm on an Android device and I search for best plumber, it's going to immediately open Google My Business uh, map listings and it's going to rank them in order of reviews, number of reviews and, and the, rate, the rate of the reviews. So that's another place where a lot of small businesses aren't thinking about their reputation, but your reputation equals revenue if you're managing it properly. Mm-hmm. Now, Dave, when you're talking about, um, you know, Google, Google My Business, is that just for brick-and-mortar companies? Because there's so many companies these days that are home-based. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you need to have an address attached to it. But mm-hmm. let's, say, let's say I'm running um, a pet care, a mobile pet care business, and uh, they won't accept a P.O. box. You have to have a physical shipping address. So I have probably hundreds of, of clients that use a home address uh, or, you know, or a small, like um, they'll go and rent for $100 a month a co-location office space. At, you know, at a salt stack or, a, you know, something like that. Mm-hmm. And, and then, then they use that as their business address. And then they'll, they'll use so, – so that's, I guess, one way to get around it. Uh, but a lot of people just use their home address as their, as their business address so maybe they can have a physical address for their Google My Business listing. And, um, and that's, that's how they make sure they've got one. Mm-hmm. There's so many moving pieces these days, and um, you know, I, I think we're always, as business owners, uh, we're, we always need to educate ourselves. Um, so are there good places that you're, like a business owner can go to to find more information on how they might be able to uh, automate their marketing is there um, maybe there's they could visit your website client tether is there information there that might be able to help them oh absolutely yeah that's a great spot um, there's some really good uh, uh, podcasts out there I mean I've got a podcast we don't we don't always talk about marketing automation we bring in a lot of experts on other topics but that does, that certainly has come up three or four times as, as very solid discussions um, there, there are probably two or three other spots um, I mean, yeah, if they, if they want to reach out to me too, I'm happy to share contact information and answer questions because whether or not someone's my client, I am pretty passionate about this. I used to try to build marketing automation tools using Microsoft Office tools, so doing mail merges and things like that right. when I was right. you know, early in my career. So I've, I've been trying to do this and doing it successfully now for, for a long time. Uh, so I'm happy to, happy to help as a resource too. Absolutely. So I tell you what, Dave, I need to take a quick commercial break, but do you happen to have some stories you could share with us when we come back about some of the clients you've worked with? Absolutely. I've got a couple good ones that I'm happy to share with you. Wonderful. Folks, I'm going to take a real quick commercial break, and we'll be back with more from Dave Hansen. House Talk Radio. Join Tony and Wendy Gambone on House Talk Radio, where they talk all things house. From tips on home repairs and remodeling to best practices on buying and selling a home, hiring contractors, home loans, and insurance, as well as decorating ideas and how to get the most bang for your buck. If you would like more information about House Talk Radio, go to housetalkradio.com. Tune in every Thursday morning at 9 a.m. to Tough Talk Christian Radio with Tony Gambone. Tough Talk Christian Radio is for those who want to share and receive expressions of faith that will help you take the next step in your relationship with Christ. Listen in to hear from others about their experiences of faith and the love of Christ. Call in to share your experiences at 347-989-1363. Learn more by going to toughtalkchristianradio.com. Are you dreaming of owning your own business but just don't know where to begin? The wait is now over. Linda Ballesteros is a catalyst to becoming a business owner through franchising. Whether you are looking to create a living that will allow you to leave corporate America, change your lifestyle, allowing you to enjoy the fun things in life, or if you're looking to build a legacy that will support your family for years to come. Contact Linda today to start the process of being your own boss. Linda at EmpowerFranchiseConsulting.com, 832-640-4922. 
Hey folks, welcome back to All Things Franchising. Linda Ballesteros here. And today we're talking about um, the, the marketing automation or the automation of marketing trends that are out there. And Dave Hansen is president of Client Tether, and they do a great job in helping their clients to uh, do the automated follow-up and uh, the touches, the, the constant touches that, that um, a, an employer, or I'm sorry, a business has to make to keep that customer, that prospect, engaged. Uh, Dave, do you know what, the, what are the number of touches? You know, you hear that so many times. How many times do you yeah. have to touch a client before there is a possible uh, close? Yeah, that's a really good question, yeah, and that, that varies a little bit depending upon the industry and the urgency. Uh, for an example, plumbing or let's say HVAC or not HVAC, but like a restoration type service, usually not very many. I mean, because mm-hmm. there's usually like a, something, their house flooded, there was a, a crock pot that, you know, a smoke damage while they were at church or something like that, right? Mm-hmm. There, there's usually something fairly urgent in those industries, but let's say it's an HVAC company where it's a little less urgent but still a timely need. Yeah, you're going to have a, very, a little bit of variation, but there are a couple of general rules that, that I would say. One, not everybody's going to respond. Even if you're using a, an automation platform that can text and call an email like, like a client tether, um, then you're still, going to, you're still not going to have everybody respond to you right away. It'll usually double or triple your response rates, usually in the first 30 days. But it, it, it may not, it may not, it's not going to convert everybody. So you need to have lead nurturing as a follow-on to that. And that my, my general rule is you want about, about 10 to 11 touches in that total process. Mm-hmm. And you want to mix up the media. It needs to be across a text and call and email uh, across, over multiple days. And there's, there's, a, there's a total number of touches. There's also a cadence question. A lot of people, they get nervous about this. And they say, well, but Dave, I don't want to harass customers. I don't want to build a reputation as somebody who doesn't leave my people alone. And I 100% agree which is where cadence comes in. You need to make sure you have the appropriate follow-up timeliness. You know, when someone fills out your form, you should touch them three or four times in the first day and a half. And then mm. you start to slow the pace because somebody's, they're sending you a message, right? Even though it's not, they haven't actually said anything. If they're not responding to your text message on, or your call or your email on the first day or maybe your second or third call on the first day because you're trying to be responsive and be a professional, then uh, after the second day, you do a text follow-up trying to engage them, and then maybe third day, you, you call them again. And then you need to realize if they're not responding, I need to slow the cadence down a little bit so I don't feel like I'm harassing them. So there's, there's an easy answer there to find balance, but it depends on the industry a little bit. And, uh, and you know, a roofer, a big project like that, landscaper, you might slow the cadence down a little more than an immediate service like a plumber or even an HVAC person, which is more timely sometimes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, that makes so much sense. I've never heard of it um, exactly described that way, but that makes so much sense. There does have to be uh, a cadence, as you call it, so that you don't, um, you don't, you don't, in, in, you know, you don't bombard them when it's not necessary, and you have to kind of take your lead from them as well. If they're not responding after uh, several weeks, uh, then you just have to back off, right? But staying in front of them at the same time. You got it. That's the key. And a lot of people, after the first, here's what, here's a typical story. And let me tell you a hypothetical story. You ask for stories, but I'll I'll Mm -hmm. share some real ones with you in a minute. But typical story is lead comes in. Home service guy or gal eventually gets to it, or any, any business owner responds to it, sends an email right away, because most lead forms will send a quick generic lead drip uh, email right away. Thanks for reaching out kind of stuff. Call us at this number if you need something urgently. We'll get back to you soon, right? Then the, the company, somebody calls the lead within the first 24 hours. They might even send a text manually from their phone, and then they move on to the next thing. And that is actually the end of the story for most leads usually get one or two touches at max, and then it's shiny object syndrome. There's another lead that comes in. So the same process happens, and then whichever ones happen to respond and want to buy from that person, they'll close. And they usually hover around a 12 to 20% lead conversion rate and think that they're crushing it because that's about industry average. So that, that's mm. a typical story. 
Mm. But um, the challenge is is that the follow-up is lacking, and if they can just add in some automated follow-up sequence, some real engaging uh, content over the next couple of days, their conversion rates might triple with Mm -hmm. with no effort. That's the trick, actually, Mm -hmm. with less effort than if they were doing it on their own. So, and, you know, you when you're talking about that okay. automated automated follow-up, um, that that is exactly what it is. It's automated. So I don't have to think, oh, I just talked to Mary yesterday, and um, I want to stay in front of her. Maybe I'll just email her this article. That can be uh-huh. set up so that I don't have to think, oh, I just talked to Mary yesterday, and pull me off of maybe a job that I'm working on. Yeah, and let's let's change the, the the category from a service business to let's just talk about franchise development, right? There's so many mm-hmm. franchisors out there and franchise consultants that are there are a lot of people that want to buy franchises right now. But you're whatever industry you're in, you're really an expert, right, Linda? You're an expert mm-hmm. in in, fran- in the franchise industry. You know what people should know to make a good decision on a franchise. So mm-hmm. when uh, you you can give them guiding value added information that helps coach them as part of your grooming and lead follow-up process, the, the key here is giving true value. So mm-hmm. if I, if I you know, let's say you didn't respond to my text or email right away and I followed up the next day and said, hey, uh, I'm a, you know, I know that you're looking at franchising. Here's an article I wrote that talks about how to get financially ready for a franchise. Take a look at it and let's talk about it when we have a call. And it's only, it's only about a two-minute read. So let's say you send that text, but you, send it, you, you make it more concise because that's a really wordy, long text. Uh, and then the next day you send an email saying, hey, I know I sent you a note about that, that uh, finance. About 80% of the people I talk to aren't ready to buy a, fin- a franchise yet, so I thought you'd like it. Here's a follow-up to that that talks about what a typical day-to-day is like in, the, in two different industries that a lot of my clients are looking at, home service mm-hmm. and elderly care. And so you just keep giving them valuable concepts, right? If you're a service-based business, and here's the beauty of a franchise, they've got marketing experts. They can write really well-written, good content that's, that's very value-driving at a corporate level, put it into an automation sequence, and then deploy it to 100 locations. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and uh, and that's, that's nice because now you have a consistent brand experience across uh, 100 locations with one automation sequence where people are getting valuable touches, very professional engagement. So it helps boost the brand as well. Mm-hmm. And, you know, another thing to think about too, Dave, is that um, a person goes into business because of the widget. That widget it doesn't, just because they like that widget, doesn't mean that they're a marketing guru. So many times <laughs> business owners, uh, that is really their, their weakest is the marketing piece, right? Mhm. Yes. No, you're right. A lot of people that are in any business, they are one, they're, per, they're excellent technicians. Mm-hmm. Whether that's in pet care, elderly care, or even even franchise development or home service, doesn't matter. A lot of the people that are in HVAC, they, were, they worked for somebody else for two or three years and said, "Oh my gosh, I can do this better." <laughs> but they don't know is how to run a business, right? They don't know mm-hmm. how to engage and do sales and marketing. They know how to crank wrenches and, and you know, adjust compression on, on an HVAC unit. So th- that's, where, that's where they need help with things like this. Like on their, and on accounting, too. It's not just, not just sales automation, but there are a lot of different aspects to their business where they need expert advice and tools mm-hmm. that can automate. Because the last thing somebody wants to do is skip out on their kid's Little League baseball game in the spring because they have to go home and follow up on 10 leads that came in that day. That's, that's just not right. – nobody signs up for that when they start a business. Right, exactly, exactly. They're actually looking for um, more time freedom, and that certainly doesn't do it for them. Dave, you mentioned that you had some stories, that specific stories you could tell us. Uh, I can't wait to hear some of these. Yeah, I want to tell you kind of a funny one. I will, I'll leave names out of the first one, but good client of ours, uh, they, they run a, a franchise – um, system, and they had invested because a lot of people they're really intrigued by this idea of automation. They want it, they want it for their franchises, they want it for their franchise system, uh, and so they'll, they'll go out and try to find it. The challenge is a lot of most most CR, big CRMs you'll find, especially those that tout automation, aren't designed for multi-units at all. They'll spend sometimes six figures to seven figures to get it, get it 
built with bailing wire and duct tape to support a franchise multi-unit model. So, uh, but these guys had spent about $100,000 trying to build some automation into a very well-known uh, platform that, that touts its automation tools. And, um, but they were very unhappy. It, wasn't, it was kind of clunky. The experience was bad for their people. It's like a medical record management system on the back end, very difficult to maneuver. And they heard of us through a consultant uh, in the space. And so we, we looked at what they were doing and said, yeah, hey, we, can, we can help you do that. We showed them how we did it. And they're like, well, how much would it take to customize all this? I'm like, I'm, this is out-of-the-box functionality. Like, this isn't anything you're going to have to pay for. And they were just shocked. So after they'd spent $100,000 in about a year and a half customizing a tool to get to basic automation, in about 30 days and like 20, maybe $2,500, they had a little bit of custom help they needed. They were, they were up and running in our platform wow. and, uh, and, and very happy, very happy with the mm-hmm. results. But, but it's not because the other tool is bad. I want to be real careful with this. And this sounds like a commercial, but it's not. The, the, depending on the industry you're in and your data architecture, and this is where multi-units have a lot of problems, uh, there are tools that are great and tools that aren't. And, uh, and I'm, I'm the first person, if I see that I'm a mismatch, like somebody needs something that I can't provide, let's say it's like a healthcare uh, system. I, I'm not a HIPAA platform. So, mm-hmm. so uh, I, you know, HIPAA, HIPAA certified platform, which is what they need. So I'll be the first one to say, nope, let, let's find something else. But typically in franchising, I, I know of two companies that have invested over a million dollars to make Salesforce work for them. And people think, oh, it's the, it's the marquee CRM. This is what we want. No one's ever been fired for buying Salesforce, though a thousand should have been. Uh, it's just not the right fit. It's you know that that's that's kind of where where I see things fall apart. It's just making sure you're using the right tool for the job. Don't use a a hammer to loosen a screw, even though you can get the the you know the teeth of the, of the the pry bar on the back onto the screw head. It's not the right way to do it. Mm-hmm. Well, there's so many choices. That's what's so confusing sometimes, Dave, is there's so many choices. And I have people asking me um, in a lot of different industries, um, I'm, I'm struggling with a CRM. I don't know what CRM to use. It is a constant headache. Oh, yeah. No, no doubt at all. And there's always a new player that pops on the market yes. uh, that has all sorts of amazing claims. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and there are great tools out there, and we have some good competitors. Um, so it's not like we we own the market in CRM. In franchising, we're we're pretty solid, or any multi-unit mm-hmm. or any service business. But you know there are good tools out there, and we that's why no matter who you work with, I think the mindset needs to be what's the best tool for me and my company. And sometimes you got to be careful of the all-in-one platforms, like oh we mm. do everything from mm. scheduling to invoicing to sales automation, what you'll usually find is they're good at one thing and then they're okay at everything else because nobody can be great at everything. Service Titan's a great example of that. They're a fantastic operations, scheduling, deployment, dispatch tool. And then they start saying, oh, we're a marketing tool. And you're like, well, yeah, C minus, but you do check the box, right? You just got to pay attention to what do you need rather than try to invest heavily into just one system. Everybody APIs now. It's best to find almost have a micro architecture view and say, okay, what's the best sales automation lead conversion tool, and then what's the best operations platform for my industry? And this is a conversation yeah. we have a lot. You know, elderly yeah. care. There's one platform that almost everybody uses in elderly care. That's use it. Use that one, and yeah. then get a good front end solution to automate the lead engagement. That's how you win, and you you outmaneuver your competitors, and you provide a very seamless and good solution for your your your, your locations or for your your employees. It's not yeah. trying to find the one platform that claims to do it all. Usually, at least I haven't right. I haven't found one yet that I feel does it well. Yeah, yeah, very good point. You said you had another story for us. Oh yeah, so so we have a client that that's in the home service space. Uh, they do they do home cleaning, and uh, and they they uh, had a pretty typical challenge. You know, they were generating a lot of leads. The challenge we discussed before, just you know, the, the franchise model's tough. It's wonderful and tough. Franchisors spend millions of dollars a year generating leads. They pass them down to their franchisees, and then the franchisees in New Hampshire might crush it and follow up on every single one and have a you know forty percent conversion rate. Uh, and the ones in Tallahassee, Florida, might have a 5% conversion rate because they're like, well, if they want to buy, they'll call me back. And, mm. and literally those are words that I've, I've heard a franchisee mm. tell a franchisor, uh, and, and it, it's, it's kind of saddening. But they, so 
what uh, this group that we were working with, they had they had their own their own technology on the back end to manage operations. They needed something to help them with a consistent brand experience across each of their locations. So we deployed the platform, did a, a little pilot for about five weeks, and about 60 days later had deployed about 95 locations across the country. And uh, and I got an email back from them about I'd asked them how things were going. And they had a great lead that was managing the CRM deployment and training, and our team helps a lot with that too. But about, about uh, I don't know, 90 days after, he sends me this email. He's like, Dave, by the way, I sent this email to all of our franchisees. I thought you'd like to see a copy of it. And in it, he, he describes them. He says, look, this is, you know, we paid for this the first, the first six months of the year. You're going to start paying for this platform, but let me describe to you what, ha- what has happened in the first like, 60 days of deploying this. Our, our average lead conversion rate increased 278%. Wow. Let me tell you what that means. Then he, then he broke it. This is across the entire network. The average went up 278%. And he's like, and this is what it means to you. That means you booked this many more jobs and you're making this much more revenue per month. It was like it was several thousand dollars a month of net new revenue they were making just because the platform was doing the work for them. Wow, that's amazing. You know, and when you when you think about it, um, it, it was smart for that franchisor to say, look, we've kind of, um, you know, we've kind of given you six months here, and, but, and we want you to see the value, but from that point on, we want you to, um, you know, have a little skin in the game, because that would make them work even more and see the value of that even more. So that was great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and there, there are great ways to do it. We have some people that deploy don't have quite the same results right away. It takes them longer. Most people have pretty similar, about, about 2x is what we see. Um, mm. Other quick story, I saw a, um, because we do all these different communication modalities, texting, calling, emailing, our system also reports on is Susan answering the phone when we call her to have her connect to a new lead. Like we track all that data at a very micro and also at a macro level. I had a client who uh, he'd only had about a 50% increase in conversion rates, which for us is alarming. We say, okay, something's not quite right, or we need to help him with his messaging. Sometimes clients will send out seven-paragraph text messages as their first touch. Immediate immediate red flag, right? I would never respond to that, and neither would you. You say, that's a a fake automated message. I wouldn't even read it, right? Exactly. I would delete it, and I'd maybe even block the sender. Yeah. that this, this guy was, you know, we were looking through his dashboard. There was somebody on my team, so I looked at it with them, and, and I went to his individual performance dashboard. Who's taking the calls? And he told me, so I looked her name up in the system, and it pulled up the dashboard. So, well, it looks, and I immediately saw that two-thirds of the phone calls that the system was sending to her to connect her to a lead immediately, she was ignoring because we wow. tracked that. And, and, and as a business owner, you actually will never, ever, ever know that. And I had never thought about that before, but if I'm a wow. small business owner and my admin's just not picking up the phone when the system's calling her to connect the leads, I'll have no idea. And he didn't. And he was really mad. And I said, but wait, before you jump on it, you should probably find out why. So he talked to her, found out, oh, he had assigned her three job duties, each of which took about 30 hours a week. So she mm-hmm. had to choose which one not to do. So she wasn't answering the phone because she was uh-huh. scheduling, dispatching, all this other stuff. So it essentially gave him the data he needed to get another head count, and then guess what happened? Boom, like his lead conversion rate shot up again because now he had the humans to actually answer the phone when the system was making the phone ring for them. So, Dave, having this information goes way beyond just marketing decisions, doesn't it? It absolutely can, yeah. Wow, wow, that's phenomenal. I tell you what, we've come down to the end of the show here, and um, if someone's listening, and whether they're a franchisee, franchisor, or independent business owner, and they want to know more about Client Tether, where would they go to find that, Dave? Yeah, so, I mean, if you go to clienttether.com, uh, you know, we, we've got information there for individual businesses or franchise systems or fran dev groups or, you know, anybody that we tend to service. Um, they can also reach out to me. I mean, they can they can call me. Um, I don't even mind sharing my number. It's it's three eight five two one seven 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 nine eight. I might not be the right person. I might help them connect with a member of my team, but happy to have a conversation or email me, at Dave at clienttether dot com. Those are probably the easiest ways. Or find me on LinkedIn. I'm I'm Great. pretty accessible there as well. 
Great. I've got those final three questions here. And that is, the first one is, if there's someone listening who's considering purchasing a franchise, what would you suggest that they do to prepare for the process? I know this isn't that your company is not necessarily a franchise, but uh, you work with a lot of franchise business models. Oh, yeah, and lots of franchise development folks as well. Um, so I've got, I've got some advice. I'd love to share on this one. The, the first one is find a brand that you fit the culture. Uh, mm-hmm. And this is a, maybe not a common feedback that you get, but some brands, I'll give you an example. Heidi Morrissey and the Kitchen Tune-Up Group, they have a super fun, light, playfully professional culture. Uh, if I'm a kind of a staunch like New Yorker where I'm like very serious, and, and not that all of them are, but you know what I mean, like mm-hmm. I, I'm going to be unhappy working in that environment, even though it's a very successful franchise concept. And you're buying a network, you're buying almost like an extended family, you're going to be working and being in the system for a long time. So I would say find one that you fit the culture. And one last piece to add on to that, there's a reason you're buying a franchise. It's because it's a proven business model. And I can't tell you how many times, Linda, you're going to laugh because you see it all the time. Somebody spends, let's say, $100,000 to buy into a franchise concept and spin up a business, maybe $200,000. And then they spend all of their time trying to change the franchise model that's working at 200 <laughs> locations across the country, fight, trying to bring in their own technology, trying to bring in their own processes, and it, it's, it boggles my mind. It's so counterintuitive to me. So don't do that. Don't be that person. <laughs> yeah, don't be that person. That's right. It's going to cost you a lot of money, a, t- a lot of time, and you're going to be really frustrated. So that's not going to work for you. So the second question here, Dave, is what are two traits that make a successful franchisee. I think you just identified one of them. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but but I'll couple that, right? So the first one, I'll I'll build off the last answer. Uh, Be willing to be humble enough to accept that there might be another way other than your way that's already working well. Mm -hmm. And then you need to couple that with a healthy balance of entrepreneurship. Like you really need to be willing to, and entrepreneurship is a huge answer, right? But you need to be, uh, willing to grind and work hard and generate your own leads and, and, and sell. And salesmanship is probably one of the biggest lacking skills I see inside of franchising. So if, you're, if you've been at a desk job, very insulated, let's say an accounting-type job or a marketing job where you're not really selling. Marketers say they sell, but they don't understand the pressure of what it is to be in a room trying to close somebody on a, on a roofing job. That, that you need to get some experience. You need to, I, would, I would ask if you could do a, a shadowing day with a local franchise owner so you can actually see and experience what that day-to-day is like because if you're naturally uncomfortable selling, you usually will not thrive in a home service business. So that, that means one of two things. You've either got to learn how to do that and overcome it yourself or you have to have enough cash to hire a human that's naturally good at it so they can do that part of the business that you're not good at. Or maybe that's your spouse or your partner or your cousin Vinny, but you've got to also be honest with yourself about what are you good at, what are you not good at, and then you have to have a human that can be good at what you need people to be good at. Usually it's selling that I see as the biggest hole in, in, in the skill set that people have in franchising. Yeah, very good point, good point. The final question here is what does the future of franchising look like? Oh, man, that's such a big question. I, I, I will say this. In general terms, I think it's really quite bright. Um, it's growing, right? It's a good model. It's the highest success rate business you can get involved in. Um, on the other hand, there are some regulations and things changing in government now where, for whatever reason, this, regardless of how strong of an impact franchising has on, the, on the, the, the economy of the United States, the current majority is attacking the franchise model pretty hard. So uh, I, as, long as, as long as they don't win that battle and destroy some of the legal structures that protect franchises and help them thrive, I think you're going to have a great, bright, bright, bright future. Um, it's, it's wise in franchising to, um, to make sure that you're, you know, I, I don't know, I'd, just be, I'd make sure that you're paying attention to what's happening on the legal landscape and messaging your, your, um, your senators and your, your people in the House. Most of them have idea what's happening. They're just, you know, nodding to each other and high-fiving and, and passing bills, not truly understanding the impact of what, what could be happening. So that's advice in addition to it's bright with an asterisk that we need to take some action as, as citizens that care about this model of the United States and make sure that we're helping 
educate our our folks in politics so that they make good decisions for us to protect it. Yeah. Yeah, very, very good feedback there. Dave, one more time, if someone's listening and they'd like more information about Client Tether and if it's the right platform for them, how would they get in touch with you and find out more? Yeah, of course. Uh, so clienttether.com uh, and, and or reach me, call me at 385-217-7798, Dave at clienttether.com, and LinkedIn is another great place to reach me. I'm on there and quite active. So, um yeah, thanks, Linda, so much for having me on the show. I really do appreciate you. Absolutely. It was great having you here and learning a little bit more about the automation um, that opportunities and options that are out there. Thanks so much, Dave. So, folks, um, I, I hope that you were taking notes because there was a lot of great information that Dave offered today. And as always, and we're down to the end of the show, but as always, I want to leave you with this quote. Automation is cost-cutting by tightening the corners and not cutting them. And this was a quote by Harish uh, Skip, uh, Sippy, which is, he was a, he's an engineer. So what he's saying is just because it's time-consuming, that doesn't mean that tightening that particular area means cutting something off. You still need that marketing, um, those marketing processes out there. What you want to do is tighten the corner, not cut it off. Again, folks, thanks so much for being with me today on All Things Franchising, and I'll see you next time. Another great episode of All Things Franchising is now in the books. You can listen to past shows by following All Things Franchising on Facebook and Twitter. Thank you for joining us today, and be sure not to miss us next time when we bring you a brand new episode of All Things Franchising. This is the smell of a warm three-day-old egg salad sandwich in a wimpy trash bag. Wimpy, wimpy, wimpy! Blech! And this is the smell of that same sandwich in a hefty, ultra-strong trash bag with new Fabuloso lemon scent. Hefty, hefty, hefty! <sighs> smell the difference? When life gives you stinky, get Hefty Ultra Strong with new Fabuloso lemon scent. It smells like clean, freshly picked lemons. So no matter what's inside your trash, you can stop the stink and smell the lemon. This episode is made possible by PwC. It's getting hot out here. Moving the mercury can help move your business. PwC helps turn sustainability theory into real-world action. Reduce your carbon footprint while increasing transparency in net-zero commitments. Start with reporting to identify your climate risks and reinvent your business. Create a more sustainable business and a stronger planet. It's all part of The New Equation. Learn more at thenewequation.com.